So Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 uh, gives, us, uh, gives us a couple visuals to help us understand a little bit about the, the Christian life that we live and what that looks like. And he, he, uses, he uses the word fight and he uses the word race to help us understand this life that we live. And uh, let me read them for you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. He says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, with the Lord, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And he thinks not only of himself, but he turns and starts thinking about us. And he says this as he ends these verses, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. The word resolute means to be marked by a firm determination. Like there's a determination and people know it and they see it. You are resolute in the way in which you live your life. And so as we begin a new year, we often find ourselves in New Year's resolutions. Okay, I just have to ask, anybody make New Year's resolutions? Anybody make them? Okay, does anybody keep them for longer than February? Till February, I should say, like the month of January. Like, we have this desire to, to make changes and to see big things change. I'm a goal guy. I like goals. I like setting the goals. I like under like seeing the 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 list and be able to check it off, saying I accomplished this. But I don't know about you, but I find that when I set goals, I don't always achieve them. And when I don't achieve them, I feel a little bit feel a little bit like a failure because I had a goal set in front of me. I thought it was maybe challenging but attainable. And I didn't do it. One of the things that uh, was interesting as we were thinking about how we wanted to start our new year and this idea of this resolute came to mind is, is it's less about the goals that we accomplish and more about the attitude by which we live. And to be marked by firm determination in these ways in which we, these areas of our life which are important. One of the questions we're asking as we begin this year is, are we living this life intentionally? As if there is a race and there is an end to the race. Do we run with the end in mind to finish well? Paul would also say in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, as believers, we know that in this race, there's more than one that gets the prize. But we run striving after that prize. So is my life marked by determination or by drifting? And all too often, I find my life marked more by drifting than by determination. So these next few weeks, we're going to gather under this, this idea, this heading of resolute, running with the end in mind. 
We talk about things like care for one another, growth in the word, sharing the good news of Jesus, stewarding what God has for us, and today we're going to talk about worship. Being resolute, determined in our worship. So as we start talking about worship, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to start talking maybe first by saying what worship is not about. Worship Worship is not about me. Worship is not about ourselves. And I don't necessarily mean that we are worshiping ourselves, although there's plenty of that in the world as well, but that's another sermon for another day. What I'm talking about is also all too often in, in American church, and it's probably around the world as well, but I know I see it in, in the American church is that worship and and the gathering of the body of believers together, worship turns into being all about us. It's, It's all about what we like and all about how we feel. So what worship turns into, we we have our we have it's all about my preferences. It's all about my preferences in the preaching, right? Who is preaching? What is, what is being preached? Maybe the style of the preaching. It's about what I want. Or it's about my music selection, a style that I really like. And even within the style, we have some people that say, well, yes, that certain style, but also only certain songs within that certain style. It's all about me and what I like. And then it's also all about how I feel. So, Whether or not today was a good worship day is how I feel walking out the back door, right? So if I feel good, oh, it's a good day in worship. But if I feel kind of eh, well, then worship was eh for the day because it's about me and my preferences and about my feeling. That's what we see so often in the American church. So if I haven't said something that struck a chord with every one of you yet, I'm going to take one more shot at it. If we are here, or we make our determination as to whether or not we're going to come to gathered worship for either of those two reasons, of how um, my preferences, what my preferences are, or how I feel, just know this. You aren't here to worship God. You are here for yourself. Now, before you start throwing things at me or get up and walk out, is it wrong to have preferences in worship? Is it wrong to have a preference of music styles? Is it wrong to have a preference in how the word is delivered? No, not at all. Is it wrong to make decisions about whether or not you will gather with the body of believers and worship based on those preferences? Yeah. Because then it's about you. Is it wrong to come and have a desire to leave having felt a connection with God because of his word and songs that align with his word? No, that's not wrong at all. Is it wrong to gauge whether it was a good worship time or not based on how you feel? Yes, because worship isn't about us. It's not about me. Worship is about God and who he is 
and what it is that he has done. And when we see and when we reflect and when we pause to think about who God is and what it is that he has done, our only response and the natural response is to worship because of who he is and what it is that he has done. So here's today what I want to do. I want to look at Psalm 100, the entire psalm, all five verses. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up. We're going to kind of look at a few different parts of Psalm 100 today. And as we look at this, we're going to see what it is, how it is that we worship, or why it is that we worship, and a little bit of how. We won't spend much time in the how today. Psalm, uh, Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We are resolute in our worship because of who he is. So confession moment that maybe some of you guys can resonate with, some of you will resonate with. When I come in for worship, I will often often forget who it is that I'm worshiping. And I don't mean like I forget, like, oh, that's right, we're here to worship God. What I mean is I forget who he is. And I come in, I go through motions, and I sit. The Lord is God. The God of the universe, the creator and the sustainer of everything. He he is the one who commands the angels. He is the one who defeated Satan. He's the one who sits on the throne that is holy, holy, holy. He's the one who shakes the foundation of the temple at the mere mention of his name. He's the one who shakes the mountain at his presence. He's the one whom people die as they dare to enter his presence on their own terms. He's the one who Moses couldn't even look at him. Had Moses looked at him, Moses would have died. He saw the back of him and came down from the mountain radiating and glowing from the presence of God. He's the one who opens up the earth and swallows people alive as they dare to cross him. He's the one who sends fire from heaven to burn up an altar. He's the one who demonstrated his love by entering into his creation 
dying at the hands of his creation in order to save his creation. He's the one who cares for you in all of your troubles and in all of your joys, no matter how big or how small. He's the one who died so that you would have victory over death and sin. He's the one who rose again. The one who rose again so that you would have eternal life. And that list isn't even the beginning of who he is. We worship. We worship him because of who he is. And in verse 1 of our, our text, we, we see that there's a, there's a calling to all the earth to worship him. For all the earth to come before him. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, which includes both creation and nation. There's, there's a command for creation to praise and to worship him because of who he is. Psalm 148 says this. Listen to this. This is, the, this is the call to creation. Verse 3. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you, heaven, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created. And He established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above all the earth and the heavens. I don't exactly know how rocks and mountains praise, but they do. They praise him. As the waves crash against the shores and you hear the sound of the waves crashing It is them praising their creator. All the earth called to worship and praise because he is God of all. And over and over again in the scriptures we see a call for his people to come and to worship and to praise him because of who he is. And the day will come where all whether they are believers or not, will bow before him and worship him. So who is he? Who is this God? Verse 5 gives us just a little bit of a picture. Again, a small list. It says this, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. 
His faithfulness continues through all generations. God is good. So good. And I think some of us struggle with that. Struggle with the, the idea of a God who could be good. Because we want to blame Him for all of the difficulties and struggles in our life and in our world. We want to blame Him for all of the, the, the brokenness that we see around us. All of the, the brokenness that we actually caused is God created in perfection. And mankind broke. But God is good. He uses everything for good. And God is love. I wish we had time to unpack what it means to be love. But God is love. 1 John 4.16 says those words, God is love. And if God's very nature is to love, anything and everything that he does is an outflowing of his nature as love. His very thoughts about you are love. God is faithful. God has made a covenant of promise. He keeps that promise. God is faithful. We worship because of who God is. And we worship because of what he has done. Has God ever done anything for you? It, it might be a shorter list, the list of things that God hasn't done for you. So here's what I just want to think about just a few things. Uh, uh, verse 3 gives us just a few things to think about when it, again, a short list of things that he has done for us. Verse, the last half of verse 3 says, It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. God has created you. In all of the creation, like in this moment, like Psalm 148 that just declares how all of creation should be pra praising and proclaiming, all of creation uh, shouts to who God is. Can't forget that we are part of that creation. Again, in the Psalms, let's look at Psalm 139, a familiar verse for some of us. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. 
before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. What is it that God has done? He's created you. And I love the way the scriptures talk about the creation of mankind. Go back into Genesis. God speaks things into creation. But when it comes to humans, he formed them from the dust of the earth. Psalm 139, that he knit you together. God made you with intentionality and purpose and attention to detail. He created you. He created you and he redeemed you. He he bought you out of the captivity to which you were held. 1 Peter 1, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Your life as a a child of God was purchased. Purchasing you out of captivity and slavery. God has redeemed you. And he has brought you into his kingdom. We spent most of our fall together going through the book of Philippians under the, the heading of citizenship. Hopefully you're able to catch most of that. What does it mean to live as a citizen of heaven? But we can't lose the fact that God put us there. That he chose you, redeemed you, and placed you into his kingdom. Colossians chapter 1, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Worship is not about us. It's not about what I desire. It's not about what, how I feel. It's about God. It's about Him. It's about coming into His presence. The God of all inviting us into His presence. And not only do we get to sit in the presence of who God is, but then we stop and think about all that he has done. All the big things he has done in creating and redeeming and and bringing us into his kingdom and all the little things in which he has provided every single day for our lives. And the only way to respond to all of that Make it all about him. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. And come before him 
with joyful songs. May we be resolute in worship of our Savior.